0: The Second London Baptist Confession, Saturday. Let's do this. Well, I hope you're having a good Saturday. Um, I have been on an apologetic trip lately, and um, I'm letting it ooze out into this uh, session And uh, what better thing to think about on a Saturday as you chill and get ready and prep your hearts for tomorrow, the Lord's Day, where we come and we get to hear the Bible. Where is our confidence in the Bible? Where where does it come from? And um, of course, the confession has something awesome to say about it. Let me read it to you. Uh, We're in chapter one, of course, of the Holy Scriptures. And um, paragraph four um, has a great little section leading into paragraph five, the authority of the Holy Scripture for which it ought to be believed, dependeth not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof. Therefore, it is to be received, because it is the word of God. Very important, and we'll circle back to that. Uh, But then, paragraph five, we may be moved and induced by the testimony of the Church of God to an high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scriptures and the heavenliness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine, the majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts, the scope of the whole, which is to give all uh, all glory to God, the full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation and many other incomparable excellencies and entire perfections thereof our arguments whereby it doth abundantly evidence itself to be the Word of God. Yet notwithstanding, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the Word in our hearts. Right, so that kind of circles back to that previous um, paragraph where it it talks about the reality that we receive the Word of God on the authority of uh, the word of god itself and and the, the logic is very simple there it sounds it sounds like circular reasoning but you have to you have to stay with it because it's not um, it's just making a, a statement it's just a fact think about it if uh if something is the highest authority and claims to be the highest th- highest authority and it is the highest authority of course that that authority you know to, to say we believe that authority on the on the authority of something else is to place the, something else up above that authority so you know assuming for a second that it's true and that's the key um the reality the theology of it is that or the logic of it is that we uh we believe and we receive it and we rest on it we have confidence because the word of god declares itself to be the word of god that must be the highest authority It depends on god alone but that's um that's not that's the theology of it that's the truth of it that's the reality of it that's not necessarily the evidence of it um, which, is, which is where I think some things go a little bit haywire and short-circuited if we, if we fail to make those, those clarifications or uh, distinctions. Um, as the next paragraph goes on to say then, we, um, we may be moved in a whole bunch of different ways. In fact, won over in a whole bunch of different ways. The ultimate thing upon our hearts, though the the Spirit of God, who is the highest authority, working with the Word of God, is going to work upon our hearts to bring us to trust in the Word, in salvation, and uh, that that movement of the Spirit to bring us to see Christ is the is the greatest apologetic for us personally, because of, of course it's like a blind man, you know, opening his eyes and and he sees, and then someone asks him, well, you know, how do you know you see? well, I see, stupid, is the basic sort of response there, of course, because, like, I was blind, now I see. And you don't want to put that away. Just because that's a, a subjective thing in some sense, it's actually not. I mean, it's actually, you know, assuming it to be true for a second, and that's a real thing, you know. It's not a subjective thing when a blind person sees. It's a real thing. But we're wrestling more with, okay, but how do we know that he's telling the truth kind of thing, or, or how does that person's, um, you know, subject of testimony bear out uh, objectively. And so there's there's more to say, and, and there's uh, thankfully ways to tell if someone can see or if they're to- telling a lie or whatever it is. But leaving all those things aside for a second, it's important to just stay, stay, state that up front, the authority comes from the Word of God, and when the Spirit works in and through the Word, I mean, that is going to bring us to seeing, which is going to be our ultimate confidence. Um, our primary confidence is our salvation itself. But then then we get to this issue of the excellencies of the Word of God and its evidences to the inquirer, and uh, there are many of them. I was, uh, I was saved by the Word by the effectual calling, I mean, I I feel like I have experienced that. Um, I, I was a drug addict. I began to read my Bible. It changed my life forever. I love the Bible. The Bible is where it's at. I am a Bible, Bible guy. That's just the bottom line. When, when it says, all scripture is God-breathed, I get it. Um, but I didn't always used to think like that. And um, I, I remember, especially traveling around, You know, you just see a whole bunch of religions and you get to experience them up front. You know, I traveled a lot before I became a Christian and uh, there was, you know, I mean, you got everything from the mainstream religions to every weird and wonderful cult out there and um, and even just everything in between. And I, I did remember thinking to myself, how could anyone be so arrogant as to claim that they have the truth and everyone else doesn't? Um, you know, or their truth is the only truth. So I I tended to hate monotheistic religions or anything that was, uh, you know, kind of uh, exclusive in its claims. And um, it was really, as I said yesterday, some of the stuff on evidences and uh, evidentialism and all those, you know, resurrection and uh, these excellencies of the word, essentially, that won me over. And um and I think, uh, as I said yesterday, I was speaking mostly in light of the resurrection there, but, but certainly on all these areas, it's worth checking it out. Um, it's at least worth knowing the baseline, I mean, and just, just thinking about this a little bit for what the Confession is talking about there, when it says, you know, th- there are a whole bunch of things that are just mind-blowing about the Word, right? Just to read that again, um, uh, we may be moved and induced by the testimony of the Church of God to a high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scriptures and the heavenliness of the matter and the efficacy of the doctrine and the majesty of the style and the consent of all the parts and the uh, uh, scope of all the whole, which is to give glory to God and full discovery it makes of the way of salvation and uh, many other incomparable excellencies and the entire perfections thereof. So the bottom line is you've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about there. Uh, that it's trying to summarize. I'll give you a few things that I remember just being really impressed with. Because I remember thinking, like, if you're, let's say you are you're, you never really approach it like this. But let's say you did. Let's say you were this, you know, hey, I'm going to try and find God. I'm going to go on a God quest. Uh, I'm going to try and find the truth. So, uh, you know, it makes sense to start at the big religions because they claim to know about God. So you start with the big ones. Start Islam. Start, you know, Hinduism buddhism that sort of thing and uh, christianity would certainly be in there and uh, you'd investigate the various religious manuscripts and you compare them and you would you'd have to do that to be able to you know just to make a start in the investigation because the starting point would be the investigation of the manuscripts of that religion and of course um, on that point is where you would see the bible just shine it feels like an understatement more like blow up in your face like an atom bomb right as soon as you check it out i mean the bible in its harmony right wow 40 different authors of a period around 1600 years you know 40 generations every walk of life moses a political leader essentially trained in the universities of egypt you got peter the fisherman you got amos the herdsman you got joshua the military general you got nehemiah the cupbearer to the king of persia for crying out loud you got daniel you know i mean these guys are different guy luke the physician new testament solomon the philosopher king old testament you've got matthew the tax collector you got paul the rabbi highly trained and educated um different walks of life writing this one story and then you got different places i mean wow have you ever thought about that Moses in the wilderness, Jeremiah in a dungeon, Daniel in a palace, Paul inside prison walls, you know, uh, John on Patmos in exile, others in different battles and military campaigns, different times times of war, times of peace, different moods, heights of joy, depths of sorrows and despair. It's crazy. You've got massive, massive diversity over that period. Different continents. You've got Africa, Asia, and Europe involved. You've got um, different languages, uh, Hebrew, vastly different from Greek and Aramaic in between there. And, and, you know, hundreds of controversial topics that are being spoken of. Um, things like, you know, the creation of the universe, uh, the nature of God, the nature of man, sin, how to be saved. These are not small issues. Um, I often just think about, like, I mean, I think it was Josh McDowell who said that if you imagine if you just try to get anyone in a room to write about anything, you know, that that involved just a few controversial topics, not even close to that level of controversy, but just anything, um, even if they were in the same room in the same sort of. Um, homogenous unit you know you would still end up with incongruency and inconsistency we know it even like encyclopedias that try and do this face that all the time Uh, back in the day when they'd publish all those big encyclopedias Um, you you know you just even just one denomination today on one topic is a good illustration of this I mean you're going to get spaghetti in terms of uh, the differing opinions and that sort of thing Um, man you know, just one church. Just bring out a PC and a Mac and watch the controversy flow, which is better, you know. Uh, now I'm trying to think of uh, things like salvation and God and hell and heaven. Over 40 generations with with all these different spheres of and lifestyles and walks of life. And you have one cohesive, non-contradictory story. Not only not contradicting, but weaving together like a tapestry. Paradise lost in Genesis Genesis to Paradise regained in Revelation, the tree of life being closed to the tree of life being opened forevermore, and everything in between, all centered on Jesus, all weaving through the story of uh, of Christ and foreshadowing, and when He comes and His life exposited. Essentially, I mean, it is just uh, again, hopefully, um, certainly, if you go to a Reformed church, you will have some sense of the unity of the Scripture. I hope the guys going to our church feel that way, just as we've been preaching through Genesis for a while. You just you see the mind-blowing reality of this. Um, but you know, you can go to any part of the Bible, and it's the same thing. I've, I have I have a little bit of a taste for it now, having preached for a while, and uh, having looked at, you know, I have to, I've done an overview of every book in, in a sermon. I've, I've looked at every part of the Bible, and it is truly mind-blowing. I haven't looked at it anywhere near exhaustively or completely, but I've looked at it enough to just be... To be awestruck. I, I've seen what the confession talks about. Um, and so, it you know, just for all the other things you would say about it, just at that baseline, there is simply nothing like it in the world. So if you're just a detective looking for clues and fingerprints, where could God be? Well, you know, the Bible is unique. That's got to be some sort of a clue and a good starting point, right? It sets itself apart in a way that you'd imagine only only God could, could make a book stand out. I mean, it's just, how does that happen? Men can't do that. So what is, it's not the do and end all of it, but it's just a massive fingerprint that you've discovered. Um, what we could say, I mean, the Bible in its amazing historicity, I love this point. I feel like I could talk about it. Maybe we'll come back to it, but just the manuscript evidence, um, there's just nothing like it. It's accuracy. I mean, do you think about the breadth of topics, it just doesn't say anything that is false. Wow. Um, it, it, it It's truth the whole way through. I, I'm a, I believe in verbal, plenary, inspiration, the whole thing. And uh, yes, yeah, sure, it accommodates, it, it speaks in ways that men can understand, but that's, not, that's fine. I mean, obviously that's a good thing, otherwise you wouldn't understand anything um it's just it's again it's very very different anything out there on those points um i uh you know you just a thinking person again someone who's who's interested in finding something yeah how could they turn a blind eye to this um we haven't even talked about prophecies the prophecies are mind blowing in terms of the way that they pointed Jesus and are fulfilled. Even the ones that have already happened, uh, you've got the Bible being totally unique in its in its uh, in its uh, established authenticity as a textual document. You've, again, big topic. We'll come back to that at some other point. Unique in its survival. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about this, and it's a huge point. I mean, nothing else has survived this way. It's a. It's probably been the book most hated, and yet it's the book that is most flourishing um what's up with that i don't know if you've ever thought about that one of my favorite things um is you had uh was that guy's name voltaire i think you know and he was like he um i think he was just like listen um you know in a few years what did he say like uh in in a hundred years um uh he predicted that christianity would just be swept from existence you know it would just See ya. There goes Christianity. He he died in seventeen seventy something, and um, and you know he uh, I think fifty years after his death, the Geneva Bible Society used his printing press and his his own house to produce stacks of Bible. This is after he like predicts as the greatest thinker of the time that the you know Christianity is just going to be wiped from the face of the planet. You know, there goes him, uh, you know, Voltaire's gone, but my goodness, his house gets used to print Bibles. It's just almost like a, like, it's just a, it's a beautiful uh, poetic justice going on over there. But, you know, the reality is that's always the case. You think all, all the way to today, everyone's just saying, oh, well, Christianity's at its end and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? It isn't. And it doesn't get to its end. You know why? Because there's something going on there. And uh, there's really no other way to explain it. I remember um, I've got a quote here from uh, Bernard Ram. He said, No other book has been so chopped, knifed, sifted, scrutinized, and vilified. What book on philosophy or religion or psychology has been subject to such a mass attack as the Bible, with such venom and skepticism, with such thoroughness and erudition, upon every chapter, line, and every tenet, and yet the Bible is still loved by millions read by millions and studied by millions there's something about that it's circulation it just keeps on getting translated it keeps on it keeps on selling it's still like the number one seller believe it or not it's just you know it's all least up there with which you wouldn't expect i mean you know what a secular age we live in and yet it's still the case um, man influence you know, it keeps, I mean, all of the English literature of the Western world basically is founded on uh, on biblical texts and, you know, have have been molded by biblical texts. Uh, you know, you have the Bible as just one of these life, well, these history-changing phenomenons, just the literature on its own. And so, you know, there's that. Oh, boy, I can just keep on going. Um, it's unique in its message, though. You know, there's no other book that speaks so profoundly about the way to be saved and makes so much sense in terms of the human experience, how it is that we as, you know, it just gives us a way to explain what's going on. We see the glory in humanity. We know there's something incredible about it. And yet we see some, we are just the worst of the worst. How do you explain that, that weird conundrum? You have to explain it. A religion that doesn't talk about that or explain it well is not Even covering the base, the 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 starting point, and the Bible goes there, and it goes there well, and it talks about grace alone, and it gives a cohesive system in Jesus Christ, through which God is kept to be just and the justifier. I mean, it's you've there is just I mean, just for nothing other than the sheer brilliance of it, um, you know, as someone looking into those things when comparing to other really, really bad. You know, disjointed versions of revelation out there. Uh, I mean, it's just, it shines. One more quote for you, and then I'll call this a day. Maybe two, maybe two, two of my favorite ones. Um, just as we think about the confession and uh, the glory of the word, uh, one of my favorite uh, quotes is from this guy who was a professor of, of, you know, all Eastern writings and Sanskrit. And I think he spent like 42 years studying Eastern books or something, something in. S- insane like that so basically a scholar you know had looked only at Eastern literature and uh, this is what he said of the Bible he said pile all those books and all those manuscripts if you will on the left side of your study table but place your own holy Bible on the right side all by itself all alone and with a wide gap between them for there is a gulf between it and the so-called sacred books of the East which severs the one from the other utterly, hopelessly, and forever. A veritable gulf which cannot be bridged over by any science of religious thought. Wow. Amen. Wesley, we know him. Uh, Man, one of my favorite quotes in the whole wide world. He said, God himself has condescended to teach the way. For this very end, he came from heaven. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. Think about that as you go to church tomorrow. Bless you guys.